no big deal, right? It's a good deal. All right, so this is our new series, God Never Said That. We're going to be talking about some, uh, some ideas that have basically passed into the consciousness of our culture that are not true. And one of those is that God wants you to be happy. That is, that's his main concern. Over the next four weeks, we're also going to cover uh, God won't give you more than you can handle. That'll be fun next week. That's actually my personal favorite. And then, uh, then Michael's going to be handling, it doesn't matter what you believe or do. I, I think you get believe and then I get, it doesn't matter what you do. So uh, anyway, it's going to be a fun month. We're going to have some fun with it. But we're also going to pry at some things that we believe that just aren't true. Okay, so we're going to pry into that and come out of that with some freedom. That's the plan. Sound good? Nervously with great trepidation. They say, since I have no control, roll with it. Okay? So does God want you to be happy? What if I, now if I told you, if I said, well, you know, God really doesn't care if you're happy or not. If I said that, that would, that would hurt your feelings, some of you, wouldn't it? You'd be like, I'd... And then God wants me to be happy. Because that's worked so well for you up to this point, right? Aha! I do love nervous laughter. I didn't even know that I loved it until you said that, Justin. Thank you. You just set me free. So good. So good. Oh, man. And so, is it, so it's kind of a good question. And if, you know, the great thing about um, eisegesis, and you're like, what is that? It's a new movie coming out next fall. No, no, no. Eisegesis is when we interpret the Bible the way we already believe it to be. And so when, you can always find a Bible verse to say what you want. And here's one. So, May all who are godly be happy. And notice there are three dots after that. I'm coming back to this verse because there's more to it. But hey, you can always find something to prove what you want to believe anyway. So today, as we kind of jump into this, think about the culture we live in for a second. The reason we have to pry at this one is because our American culture is founded on this belief. This is what postmodernism is all about. If I, what I experience is true, what makes me happy is true. Pharaoh Williams, that great pagan theologian. Clap along. If you feel like a room without a roof, that would have been great last winter, wouldn't it? Yeah, clap along. If happiness is the truth. You see, our enemy embeds theology in so many places in our life, and that is theology. That's not just a cool song. That's a belief. A belief about God. And so we have to come at this. Now, I, I guess I, I want you to understand something as I go through this message, and it may not be readily apparent at times, because sometimes I can really come off as a sarcastic jerk, and I love being that way. It's who I am. It's who I am. <laughs> Sorry. I just rewrote Chris Tomlin's song. Um, but um, I lost my way, just totally trapped in that. Uh, but as we go go through the series, we're going to kind of, as we pry that out of there, we'll begin to realize that, I want you to realize that, that I'm doing this because I care about you, that I love you. I really do. In fact, as I st- prepared this message, in fact, there's a part of it that I approach with great trepidation, not because it's not true. I, I love speaking the truth, but because I know how an American westernized mind will receive it. And the last thing I want to do is push someone farther from Christ. You gotta understand that. And there are some conversations I'm gonna have today that I really would rather have over a cup of coffee across the table. But I can't get that opportunity with all of you, and you need to know some things that I know and that the word says. Okay? So, you good? Some of you are, some of you are like, maybe I should leave now. <clears throat> so 
Happiness can become a theology. When I say theology, the word theology just means what I think about God. And it can drive what I think about God. Now, happiness as a theology is a really bad idea. Because then all of a sudden, if something makes me happy, that's the truth. As Pharaoh Williams said, that's, that, it, that must be a good and, and right. If it makes me happy, then it, it's a good thing. And if I think of God in that way, then I have a real problem. Because now, if something happens to me that makes me unhappy, well, then that's not God. And to quote a, a preacher I like, you probably wouldn't, but his name is Vody Bauckham. He says, God's own son he nailed on a cross, but you, he wants to be happy. Okay? <laughs> Cheryl Crow said, good line, he's way better than I am. Don't find him, you'll like him better. But anyway, so, Cheryl Crow song said, if, if it makes you happy, it can't be bad. That, that's that's kind of where this theology goes. If it makes you happy, it can't be bad. But if it makes you happy, why do you look so sad? That's the next line of the song. How many of you have realized that you've done things in life that made you happy that later made you miserable? How many of you have like, right, you're at a point, you were a point 30 days ago where you said, I'm going to do this and make me happy. And then 30 days later, you're like, oh my goodness, that ruined my life or that ruined my month or something like that. And so we have to, we have to come at this in a bigger way, far more, with far more depth and honesty than just that shallow, if it makes me happy, then it must be truth, uh, it must be true. If that theology says that if I keep thinking that way, that any time I just, that I experience discomfort or delay or risk or suffering or inconvenience or obstacles, then that can't be God's will for me. That is not a good test of what God's will is for you. Nothing great would have ever been done in the kingdom if everyone had stopped at the first obstacle. Most things in life that are worth doing are worth failing at. Also, if I continue down that road, then I'm going to end up worshiping the things that the world around me worships. What does the world worship? It worships fame, possessions, money. It worships anything that makes them happy. It worships those things. Human, mankind is just always going to be prone to making idols out of things. And so if I keep on that road, God just wants me to be happy, and I keep pursuing happiness, I'm going to end up worshiping things. I'm going to end up totally missing God's will for my life, and I'm going to end up miserable. I'm not going to, the last thing I'm going to be is happy. you got to remember, one of Satan's greatest and most clever skills is to be able to promise you something by sin and then take it away with the same sin. That's what he does. He promises it and takes it away with the same sin. So we don't want it as a theology in our life. If we do, we're going to be nailed in the presence on the shifting sand of the moment of our lives, and that's never going to work. Also, if happiness becomes a priority for us, I mean, we're always thinking about what makes me happy. And I bet you've done that, maybe even subconsciously and never admitted it. You've been driving somewhere, you haven't felt quite right or good, and you've asked yourself, I wonder what would make me happy right now. And, you know, that led to 30 extra pounds on the waist because you were going through drive throughs or, or whatever. May have led into addiction or drunkenness or something like that. Trying to find that next thing that would make you happy because that's that priority in your life. I'll tell you what this will do to your faith. It will totally wreck your faith in God. If you subconsciously, especially if you never admit it, if you subconsciously believe that it's God's will for you to always be happy, then the moment you go through unhappy things... You're, you're gonna get these ideas about God, like, God doesn't like me. God's too busy to be involved in my life. He doesn't love me. He's not there. Or He's not even real. That, that's where this 
theology lands, especially when you make it that priority. So it's really important because I hear all the time statements like, well, I tried religion, Jesus, church, and it didn't work for me. Okay, And what does that usually mean? Well, it didn't actually make me as happy as I, I thought it would. And there's actually, a, the church is kind of infiltrated with this thinking. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, which is true. But that Americanized Western mind takes that to believe, well, God wants me to be happy and comfortable all the time. And that's not true. That's, that's not the conclusion of that God's plan for your life. And so... If happiness is a priority, I'm going to think God exists to serve me. I'm going to be at a place where I'm going to abandon my faith. And i got to always remember, God does not exist to serve me. I exist to serve God. Amen. I'm going to say that again. I want you all to give me some sound of agreement, whether it's yes or a head nod, and you can rattle it pretty good. I, I don't exist. God doesn't exist to serve me. I exist to serve God. All right, that was good. That was, that was close to believable. I'm down with it, okay? God, your happiness isn't God's highest priority, but but God does enjoy your happiness. So um, my, I have a son who plays violin. And you know how it is as a parent when you have your, your child is growing in a skill and they're working at it and you're seeing them begin to blossom and it really gives you enjoyment. And they love doing it. And that makes you happy. As a father, I am happy for my son developing a skill and getting to enjoy that skill. But if my son walked up to his violin teacher and slapped her, we'd have a whole new conversation going on. This wouldn't be a happy discussion anymore. This would be a what's right discussion, son. And now he would never do that because... He's scared <laughs> of her. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> but anyway, I, my point is, yeah, I would revel in his happiness, but there, there comes a time when something else is more important than their happiness. So let's dive into this idea today that God doesn't want you to pursue happiness. God wants you to pursue God. God wants you to pursue God. God does not want you to pursue God for your happiness. So don't get confused, all right? He wants you to pursue God so that you can know God, okay? That's just so you can know Him. You're like, well, so what if I know Him? Well, knowing God's a whole lot different than knowing a friend or knowing someone else. Knowing God is a relationship, it's depth, it's companionship, it's all kinds of amazing things. So that's what God wants you to do, okay? Pursue Him. So let's get in. What kind of situation does God not want me to be happy or he doesn't care about my happiness and so let's start with the time that God doesn't want you to be happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise or God doesn't want you happy if you're gonna do something simple or stupid I, I like the s sound there for some reason so I had to say it but anyway several years ago my family and I were uh, vacationing at Ponderosa camp in Colorado and my son, Kevin, who was pretty young, he hadn't been walking long at the time, I don't know, three, four, five. He was kind of stubborn when he was young. I hope he listens to this tape so I can get this aggression out. It's a tough time for me, but I'm better now. But anyway, uh, so we're, we're walking a trail as a family, uh, which is a lot like herding cats, a lot, a lot like that. 
And, uh, but Kevin was not prone to listening at the time. And we're walking the pathway, and here I am, Dad, and I'm up front. And so, all right, everybody, be careful. Stay on the path. There was a steep hill off to our left. So everyone, don't start. You know, keep your speed under control, all this kind of stuff. What does my son Kevin do? Woo! Yeah, and he takes off running. Then I look, and he's lost. You ever seen a child lose control of their legs, and they can't stop running, and they're picking up speed, and you're like... <laughs> And they're just trying not to fall down at that point, you know. And I see him, and he's headed right toward, I mean, he's going to careen off of the edge. And I paused for a second right there. I'm like, do, do I really need this one? <laughs> I mean, really? Six, five, I mean, anyway. <clears throat> no, I'm just kidding. Dad instinct kicked in. And, you know, dads, they're... Sometimes you're a ninja, dads. You know, sometimes you're in it, never when you mean to be. When you try to be, it looks stupid. But when you are needed to step in a situation, your dad moves are strong. And so I raced over and I caught him and saved his life. And I, either he still remembers it to this day or I've harangued him so much about it, he remembers it to this day. Either way, I win. I saved his life. I always turn it into something else, but that's a different thing. And so... Uh, <laughs> The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 25, there's a path before each person that seems right. It's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. So, pretty serious, right? My son was just having fun that day. It made him happy to run. Could have ended very, very badly. And sometimes that's exactly how we live our lives. We live in the short term with no thought that the pathway ends that we're on. It doesn't end well sometimes. And so God doesn't want you. He's more concerned about your holiness than your happiness. The Bible doesn't say be happy because God's happy. The Bible says in First Peter 1.15, just as God who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Be holy. What does that mean? I know that is a strange idea. You're not going to find that one on the Sesame Street channel or any of those. I mean, this idea of holiness. There's a lot of ways I could go with it, and, and I'm not going to even go into a whole lot of them. I just, you know, holiness starts with wholeness. That's not the end of it, but it starts with wholeness, with being complete in yourself. And so many of us, one of the reasons we live our life defeated by so much sin and failure is because we never, get, we never let God put us back together. We keep chasing down a need to fill a broken place in us when God's like, hey, be still, know that I'm God, let me heal you. We don't like that, though, you know, because there's only one way God heals our pain, and that's he drags, it, drags us to it, digs it up, and purges it. That's how he does things. It's a little bit painful. But I'm going to tell you what. Do you want to be free? Or you just want to keep being driven by your unknown, unspoken needs your whole life? I mean, that's, your cho that's really the choice that most of us, all of us are actually facing on some degree. How, how do you do it? So God is more concerned about that holiness that's in us. And so let's not trade holy for happy. Now, Many years ago, they would call what I'm about to do meddling. So all the older folks just went there and said, oh, snap. <laughs> um, if, I, I really, this is the part that I wish we could have across the table. Because I, I need to dig into some things just for a second. I'm not going to stay here long, but long enough so that you know there's a different way to live. 
You know, you, uh, you may hate your job right now. You may really hate it. I've, I've been there. It might, it might tempt you to think to yourself, I would be so happy if I just Johnny paycheck this place. That means take this job and <clears throat> not do it anymore. <clears throat> but I promise you to walk away from that without other plans and wisdom in place is going to cause you some pain, not just for you, but probably for your family. It might make you happy, but it's not going to be good for you. It may not be good for you. Health. I eat a lot of stress and ice cream and pizza, <laughs> cheesecake. Excuse me, I need to have a spiritual experience on the cheesecake right there. I'm just kidding. So about three, four years ago, I, I had a, a, like a, I don't know, six, eight months a year of stress, and I added a glorious, now don't get me wrong, I make 50 pounds look good, I know that. I love you so much. Marry someone who says what you want to hear. <clears throat> no, marry someone who tells you the truth, she does that too, that's how we got here. But anyway, you know, and so the thing is, I went through that period of stress, and here's what happens when I, I can, I'm just speaking to myself, I'm not beating you up, okay? Um, it, it created, it made me happy in the moment, but then an extra 50 pounds is a whole lot to carry around. A lot of exhaustion to follow that, you know, a lot of guilt, you know. In fact, that statement, here, here's how Satan accuses me, you can't even control your waistline. How can you fight, win any battles for the king? Those kinds of things. The assaults that come on. My point is, hey, it made me happy to run through that drive-thru at McDonald's, get a 32-ounce shake. You used to be able to get those. <clears throat> Actually, there's someone here who remembers when I used to. Never mind. I'm not even going to say that. So we're going to stop right there, okay? You don't want to do that. Uh, and I'm just saying there's freedom in, in releasing the things that make you happy and going into other things as uh, stepping forward. Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought, but it's okay. I wasn't using it that much. I'm back. There we go. <clears throat> now here's the meddling part. I live in a world that tells you things are okay that are not. Most of you, especially you younger folks, have grown up in a world that has reclassified morality and righteousness, turned your sin into a label. I hate it when the enemy does that. I mean, it's one thing to drink alcohol and to not be in control. It's another thing to be an alcoholic. That's an identity. This is my problem with the recovery programs nowadays, and I realize there's value in it, but I hate people taking on an identity, especially for the rest of their lives. Okay, You might have to own it. There's got to be a better way. The world has some views on... Let's see, what's the age groups in here? Yeah. This is PG-13, so I've got a deal. There were some views on sex that are not healthy, guys. And we live in a world that it's, it's just, <clears throat> just do what makes you feel good, makes you happy. And so now in our world, sex before marriage, sex outside of marriage is considered normal. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you like a, a, someone who loves you for a second. Sex is beautiful in the context of a covenant marriage. Here's why. Here's, you need to hear me. Please hear me. Don't just shut me down because, oh, he's old and he believes old ancient things. No, hear me. What makes, 
you know, talk frank here. What makes sex great is intimacy. What does that mean? Into me you see. What's the foundation for intimacy? Trust. I have to be able to trust this woman right here that I can reveal myself to her, my heart, my personality, things sexually, and she will not run away from that. She won't leave me. That's why you need the covenant. The covenant says, no matter what I find, we're in this together and we'll work through this together. That's what the covenant means. This is why covenant marriage is so important. It's not just a, a legal thing. It's not just a license. It's saying, I will not leave. And if you're ever going to be truly known, it's critical. Can you go there? Can you go there for a second? Thank you. This is important. So the world says it doesn't matter what you do, just do what makes you happy. And here's where Satan shows up and promises you the thing that he takes away. He says if you'll just get involved sexually with someone, then you'll, you'll get the emotional connection you need. But that's not what happens at all. You actually step into a place of broken trust. A place where you forever have to hide yourself in the place what's supposed to be safe intimacy. But it can never be that outside the covenant. So I know I'm probably saying things to some of you like, I have never heard anything like that before. And if you want to talk about some more, because I can make this whole sermon really awkward about it, but I'm not going to do that, okay? Because some of you are like, it's already weird enough. Man, I would love to sit across a table I'll drink a coffee. You can have a tea or whatever you do. <clears throat> Lord help you. <laughs> and we can talk about it. And I can show you how God intended to love you through this gift of sex. Okay? Sound good? Healthy? So, no preacher ever did that before in church. Well, welcome to Ordinary Faith. <clears throat> While we're on marriage. Oh, we weren't. Now that we're on marriage, <laughs> what makes it work is a covenant. You hear me? What's a covenant? I'll keep it simple. I could go into we could do a whole series on covenant. But it just simply means I'm not leaving. Amen. The secret to a great marriage, I mean there there's so many secrets to a great marriage, but one of the the secrets is I'm just going to hang out till this gets better. I'm not leaving until God changes you. That's what my wife did. I, I'm not kidding. <laughs> and one of these days I'll have her tell the story because she tells it better than I do. And she, she, did, she stayed with me. And so I'm just going to say to you that the enemy always promises the thing he's, trying, he's about to take away. And if you're in a marriage situation right now that you're thinking about walking out of, um, you might be getting suckered into something. And you made a covenant. So rather than walk away, why not find a way? You hear me? Why not find a way? Why? Or maybe how? I'm always amazed about how, with the number of people who get married and never actually invest in their marriage. It breaks my heart. What, is it, what do I mean, invest in a marriage? Well, it means spending time together. It might mean reading books together. It means uh, conversations with each other. <laughs> and all the men are going, oh, I don't want to talk to her. She's got a lot to say. <laughs> she does. But if you will listen, if you will listen, you will be blessed.
Your wife is the image of God. Did you know that? Did you know when God gave you his, your wife, he says, I want to teach you something about me through her. And so she's a gift from God. It's worth it. It's worth it. So don't walk away. And if you have been in a situation right now, you're on the other side of divorce, can I just give some pastoral advice? Again, this should be a coffee conversation, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm here, and it's already awkward, so let's finish her up, right? Please get healed from your last relationship before you go to the next one. Please. Please. I mean it. I'm not kidding. I've seen so many people that do the rebound thing. And it never works for anybody, you or the other person. And so please get some healing. What does healing look like? It might look like counseling. It might look like some healing prayer with some godly people. It, it, it definitely looks like some time. time. There's, no, there's no quick way to heal. You understand that, right? It takes time. So slow her down, all right? Now, if you took judgment out of what I just said that was not intended, I want you to know that I love you. And I understand that there are situations that drive so many things. I get that. I just want you to know God has a better way. He has a holy way. And holiness is more important than happiness for a reason. We're going to get to the reason at the end, okay? Can you wait that long? There's a reason God wants it to be that way. All right? So, now, God doesn't want you happy if it means you're going to be led into sin. God doesn't want you happy if it means you're going to live your life based on the things of the world. Any of you guys, I'm not a night person. I did not know there was after 10 p.m. I didn't know that. Now, some of you are not morning people. Some of you did not know 5 a.m. came twice in a day, you know. I get it. But some of you night people, do, do the infomercials still come on? Like, you know, used to, though, this, you guys, does anyone here remember when the national anthem came on, like at 1230 or 1 o'clock, and you had to go to bed because TV was over for the day, you know? Or now you're paying a whole lot for cable, so you have to stay up 24 hours a day, and that's why you're tired. But, <laughs> but you used to, and, and for a long time, and probably still now, those infomercials came on, and you found out of the Snuggie. Sn anybody got a Snuggie? Come on, own it. Got a Snuggie. A blanket with arms in it. I was just like, oh, yes. How about a shake weight? How about a shake weight? Yes. Just work those, tone those arms. I'm here to tell you, some people are, did you say a Floby? Oh, the Floby. Oh, my goodness. That, that's back there. I remember. You remember an attachment you hooked to your vacuum cleaner that cuts hair. One style, the bowl style. That's the only one, I think. Now, I said it had several different styles. The Floby, all those kind of things. Oh, my goodness. What else was it? ShamWow? Like, ShamWow. Oh, gosh. Uh, a slap chop. Uh, that's what Pampered Chef took. That, Pampered Chef copied that one, but before Pampered Chef, there was a slap chop. Yeah. All kind of body shapers and all those kind of things. What is that about? And you got to love now that that section that used to be on late night TV has its own place in Walmart today. <laughs> they're jeans, but they're pajamas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really want to take a poll. Who Never mind. We're not going to do it. Not going to do it. What, what are they doing? What are they doing? They're trying to make you happy. But the world... It, that's what they call it, you know, better possessions, uh, nicer things, things that make you look beautiful or the right relationships, whatever. Add all that together, shazam, you get some happy, all right? But here's the thing. The world can't make you happy. It can give you happenings, but it can't make you happy. You see the difference? And if you are honest with yourself, you realize that in a lot of our pursuit for happy, we're really just 
looking for a happening rather than real happiness. It tries, but it can never really make you happy. My wife um, stopped sending me to the store several years ago because I'm a man, and we have two rules about going to the store. I'm going to tell you, ladies. Are you ready? Write them down. Number one, always get the wrong thing. <laughs> always. Even if you're going to get yelled at. Because the goal of going to the store is not getting the right thing. It's of getting out of ever going to the store again. That's the goal. That's the goal. The second rule, always get extra stuff. Yeah? If you're like me, I would spend more money on the extra stuff than the stuff I went to get. Hence my waistline. Some of you guys are enjoying this a little too much. God doesn't want you to be happy if it means that you have to turn to the world to do it. So let me give you a scripture and I'll wrap this part of the sermon up. 1 John 2.15 Don't love the world. Don't love the world. Or anything in the world. Anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires pass away but whoever does the will of God lives forever Amen. this stuff is dust so God doesn't want you happy if it means you got to go to the world to get it but don't worry there's a bright spot coming you still with me some of you are all right all this happiness is making me depressed so what does God want for you God wants you blessed God wants you blessed that's different from happy it's more than happy it's more significant than happy and it doesn't depend on circumstance God wants you blessed in your life blessed comes from a, a Greek word that means supremely blessed it actually means even more than happy so what does it mean because our American mind takes God wants me blessed and thinks oh God wants me to have plenty of money have nice possessions and all of these different things and but that is not what blessed is about at all blessed isn't about you not getting zits the night before prom. It's not about your car not breaking down. It's not about your kids not fighting in the back seat. It's not that at all. That's not what blessed is. Because God's, would you say that Jesus was blessed? You're in a little bit of trepidation. You don't know. He set me up while ago. I don't want him to do it again. John 16, 33. I've told you this, all this coming from Jesus, so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you'll have trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I stomped the world's rear end. Oh, I mean, I overcame the world. I won. I beat it. That's what he's saying. So you think about Jesus Christ, and think about what blessed doesn't mean. Jesus Christ um, had, had trials. Jesus Christ had storms in his life. Uh, think about Jesus and his storms. What did he do in the storms? One storm he took a nap through. That's my favorite because naps are awesome. One storm he walked on like it didn't matter, and one storm he told to, to be still, and it did. Why? How could Jesus do that? Well, that's the difference between blessed and happy. Blessed gives you power over the storm. Happiness makes you a victim of the storm. Does that make sense? Jesus had storms in his life. Being blessed and being happy in God is not about things going right. Jesus had trials too. People accused him of things. They, um, they didn't believe him. 
I watched um, the movie The Gospel of John before Easter, which is about three hours long, and it's every word of the Gospel of John turned into a movie. And what really struck me about it was how often Jesus upset everyone telling them who he was, how often they wanted to kill him, how often they wanted to run him out of town. Jesus had trials. But you know what? Jesus didn't surrender the trials. Jesus didn't let the trials stop him. The trials come, and what did Jesus do? He kept teaching. He kept healing people. He kept loving on people. The trials never changed Jesus' strategy, not even one time. Why? Because he's blessed. And because he was blessed, he had power over the trial. If he'd just been shooting for happy, he would have been a circum, he would have been a victim of the trial. Does that make sense? So the storms, the trials that come in our life, and then there's grief. John 11 is one of my favorite chapters. Again, as Michael stated earlier, they're actually all my favorite. But nonetheless, John 11, Jesus, Lazarus dies. And you could almost say Jesus let Lazarus die because he didn't race back to, to heal him before he died. But my favorite scene is also the shortest verse in the Bible. It says, Jesus wept. Jesus cried. And it's a scene where Jesus is standing outside of Lazarus' tomb. He's surrounded by grievers who don't believe. Death has taken his friend, Lazarus, and Jesus weeps. I see that. I see the compassion of God's heart. There are several times in the Gospels that Jesus wept. I, I, I ask myself, why did Jesus cry and I, I think it was because of the indignity of death God you know God didn't mean for death to hit this planet right and and the loss of his friend and the fact that he had he was surrounded by a host of people who did not believe and and even after that some of them saw Lazarus raised from the dead and still did not believe which is insane to me but here's the thing didn't bother Jesus at all the circumstances did not harm him because he wasn't trying to be happy. He was experiencing being blessed and it gave him power over the grief in his life. Are you seeing a pattern here? Happiness makes you a victim if that's what you pursue and that's your priority. But <clears throat> trusting God, holiness actually makes you powerful. Okay? Sound good? All right. So now let's, let's jump into some cool stuff. And then we'll wrap up eventually. Don't get your hopes up. Psalm 37.4 Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight. Exquisite delight. Truly enjoy. Think of something right now you really enjoy. I love an amazing sunrise. Uh, I love a great cup of coffee made by Jason Peak. I love a great steak also made by Jason Peak. <laughs> I'm going to your house later. Anyway, all right. Um, yesterday, Cayman was really missing his mother because she was gone to the women's retreat. And so he came in. He's 11. He's, he's big now. Crawls up in my lap and just lays on me for like 20 minutes. That was exquisite. That was, that was delightful. So you got something in your mind? Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. Now I know some of you are like, I don't know if I can do that. 
delight myself in the Lord. What does that mean? Go to church more? Serve more? <laughs> yes! No, I'm just kidding. John Piper changed my life about 20 years ago now when he wrote the book, Desiring God. He introduced this idea of Christian hedonism. And he stated this, this statement which he says all the time. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Have you ever thought about being satisfied in your Father God and letting Him meet the needs that you can't even articulate? Because that's what this is about. Enjoying and delighting in God is, is, is getting myself in a place of stillness and calmness that my Father can love me and pour into me and awaken me, give me revelation Stir me up in, in, in my heart and soul. By the way, it was not a new idea. John Piper got it from C.S. Lewis. Your desires aren't your problem. The weakness of your desires is the problem. You're like a child fooling about in slums with your mud pies because you can't imagine well, what a holiday at sea is like. Think about this for a second. What if your problem is li in life is not that your desires are too great, but what if it's that they're too small? What if it's that it's so easy to satisfy you? A new car will do it, or a new outfit, or a vacation, and all of a sudden it makes you happy. What if God has more for you than that? What if God wants to truly bless you? What if God wants to make you the kind of person that's at peace no matter what the storm is like? What if that's what God has for you? That's why Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and He will give you everything you need. This is the Christian pursuit. The Christian pursuit is not going through life, having Jesus on my side and we're hanging out together. The Christian life is pursuing hard after God because you know He's the answer. He's the satisfier. He's the love you need. He's the forgiveness you desire. He's the joy you hunger for. He is everything that matters. That's who God is man i love being a christian <laughs> i love it on sunday morning this is fun but you know what it's awesome on monday morning too it's pretty amazing on tuesdays hump day wednesday it's off the chart thursdays are great Fridays, that's my day off. I love hanging out with my wife and my father. It's a great day. Saturdays are awesome because I'm getting ready for Sunday again. You know what? Come to think of it, every day rocks because my father is awesome. Amen? Yeah. This, I'm telling you, you pursue God like this, and you're going to find out what things mean like peace beyond understanding. You'll, you'll discover what that means. Some of you are there right now and you're in chaotic circumstances. It's common. Most of us in the, in the room either came out of a crisis or are about to go in a crisis. And, you're like, Woo. and if you pursue God, you come to find out there's a way to be at peace and take naps in boats that are being tossed by crazy storms. And walking on the waves, that's one of my favorite scenes of Jesus. He's like walking along going, I don't care about no storm. I just love my Father, and storms don't matter at that point. It's just better to be that way. If we could just learn to start and enjoy God. Why? Because you're not from here. The day you placed your faith in Christ, and you put Him on the throne of your life, you stopped being from here. You have got to understand this. Here will never make you happy. 
Here will never make. He said, what do you mean? I mean, there's some things that make me happy here. Okay, it's like, it's like a fish on the beach. Just imagine, if you will, little Nemo, but he's on the beach. How happy is Nemo on the beach? He looks, well, he's just sitting there going. <laughs> that will not transfer to the podcast, but it was fun for me. Laying on the beach trying to breathe, can't breathe. You know, let's help Nemo out. Let's put a stack of cash next to Nemo. Big old stack of cash. Money. Give him a margarita. He's not opposed to drinking. He's a fish. (laughs) Give him a margarita. Will that make him happy? Give him an umbrella. Sunsets, it's beautiful. Is Nemo ever going to be happy on the beach? No. Why? Because the beach is not where he's from. Nemo's only going to be happy in the ocean. You're not from here. <clears throat> Paul said in uh, Corinthians, it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined. No mind has imagined. I'm sorry, no mind has imagined. Wow. What God has prepared for those who love Him. Lower your expectations of here and elevate your expectations of Him. He can satisfy. Some of you are just trying to be happy and you are wrecking your lives. I I know. I have been there. Almost lost everything in my pursuit for happy. But when God opened my eyes to the joy of holy and began to change my life, and I stopped just trying to get everything for me because I was a selfish young husband and a selfish young dad. And God opened my eyes and I began to pour into my family. And holiness made me a father where before I had just been a selfish jerk with kids. And holiness made me a husband when before I had just been completely self-absorbed with a wife. And God turned that around for me and moved me into a path of life that did not make me happy in the beginning. But is so fun now. It's so good now to be the partner with this amazing lady that's up here on the front row. We've faced some stuff in our life. And it's made us stronger. We've cried together. We've shouted together. We've griped together. We've been mad at people together. Not any of you. (laughs) And come through it. And God changed our hearts on so many things. And He changed our hearts together. That's what holiness will do for you. You keep chasing happy. And you'll ruin your life. Max Lucado said, No new car, new wife, new baby, new boat will give you the joy your heart craves. You crave more than you can get here. So let me conclude with Psalms 97.12 that I started with. Remember I said, may all who are godly be happy? And I sang a little Pharrell Williams. No, I didn't sing it. I said it. Because my voice don't go that high without... Never mind. (laughs) May all who are godly be happy in the Lord and praise His holy name. You want to be happy? Chase holy. Let's pray. Thanks, Lord. Good word. Thanks for loving us. And I 
I want to pray for that heart that's out there that the enemy is just trying to cause to reject you and reject your truth. The, the echo chambers that are going along right now trying to generate a lot more guilt and shame. And Lord, I just want to bring that word forgiveness on that. The word repentance, which just means change mind. If we could just stop thinking that we need approval to do the wrong things to make us happy and start thinking that the things that we're doing aren't making us happy, if we could have that change of mind and turn to You and put You on the throne of our lives, I pray that for every soul here that's struggling with things that I've said today that they could realize that You can deliver them. They do not have to wear their sins as a label, but rather they could be free if they would pursue You. Thanks, Lord. The opportunity to share Your Word today has been far more than I could ever deserve. Thank You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Pastor Steve.